All right, this morning I want you to start off, I want you to imagine with me. Just think about this, put yourself in this situation. It won't be that difficult, I'd imagine, but you're sitting there talking to a friend of yours or your significant other, your spouse, or just somebody that you know, someone that you talk to on a regular basis, a regular person that you have a relationship with. And as the conversation goes along, you start to disagree with what they're saying. First, just a little bit, but they keep going, they keep going, and, and it, every word they say, it seems like you're just going, I can't believe they're saying this. And finally, you say, you know what, you are just crazy. And then instead of reacting in some way that you would think was, was normal, instead of you know, saying, what do you mean I'm crazy, you're crazy, they, ju they just do this. They go. And then you go back to the conversation. You say, wait, wait a minute. What did, what did you just do? They say, what? What, what did you just write down on that piece of paper? And they say, no, oh, nothing, don't worry about it. They say, no, I want to know, what did you write down on the piece of paper? And they take it out and they say, well, I just wrote down 61. 61? What, what does that have to do with anything? Well, that's 61 times that you have sinned against me. And I'm just, I'm just keeping track. And of course, you'd respond by saying, you are completely nuts. And they would go, <clears throat> 62. We don't have relationships like that, do we? We don't keep track of how many mistakes people make amongst our friends and amongst our family and, and the people that we know and the people that we, we interact with on a regular basis. But do we do that in other cases? Or is that the way we think that our relationship with God works? That's what we're going to talk about this morning, but let's start with a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for the blessings that you give us. I thank you for the mercy that you have us on us, and I thank you for the relationship that we have with you, the relationship that is unlike any other that we have. As we uh, come before you and, and have a conversation with you this morning, I ask you with each person here that you'd open their hearts, open their minds, open their ears to hear your word, and I ask you'd be with me this morning, and that it wouldn't be me up here talking, but it would be your word that, that speaks to people. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you've got your Bible, open up to Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. If you've got one of the large print Bibles from in the back, it's on page 1527, all the way over on the right-hand side. And we've been going through Matthew chapter 18, and we're going to finish it up today. We've gone through and talked about all the different things that, that Jesus talks about in here, and we've looked at some of the goals that God wants us to have in our lives, the thing that, things that he wants us to put on display as we interact with other people and as we interact with him. We get to Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. We're going to look for just a second at what comes before that. In the section before that, if you've got a New International Version Bible, it said the title of that is A Brother Who Sins Against You. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago of what, how are we supposed to respond when someone sins against us. And as an offshoot of that conversation, Peter comes to Jesus in verse 21 with 
what we could see as, as a legitimate question. If we look at, at the, the times of what was going on there, it makes sense. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Now, they had just been talking about a brother sinning against you and that we're supposed to forgive and how that's supposed to work. So for Peter to come to him and say, you know, how many times am I supposed to do this? It makes sense. Because no, nobody wants to be a doormat. Nobody wants to just be pushed around. So Peter says to him, up to seven times? Now, according to the rabbinic teaching, according to Judaism, the law of the day at the time, you had to forgive someone three times. Much like baseball. You got three strikes after that, you're out. Once, once that third strike comes along, that was it. You don't have to forgive the person anymore. So you didn't really have to keep a list in your back pocket then of how many people would sin against you. You could probably just remember, oh, this is the third time they've done that. I'm cutting them off. Now they owe me. Now they're in my debt. Now they've done something wrong. So when Peter comes to Jesus and says, should I do it seven times? Peter doubles it and then adds one. And he says, you know, this is... I understand what you're saying. We need, to, we need to forgive, we need to have mercy. So I'm gonna go twice what they tell me to and then one more than that. That's, you know, that sounds pretty good, right? That I'm gonna do three times and then plus one. <clears throat> and Jesus answers, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Or in some cases, if you look down in the footnote in your Bible, some translations say 70 times seven. And I don't, I don't care which one it says. I don't care if it says 77 times or 70 times seven times, which would be 490 times. Because it's not about numbers. It doesn't matter if I pull the little paper out of my pocket and write on it 61 times or if I write on it 372 times. Either way, that's a messed up way to have a relationship. That's not the way that we interact with people, and that's not the way that God interacts with us. And Jesus' answer says that, and he, he uses seven just because that's where Peter came from, and he just multiplies it to a number that would seem ridiculous, that would seem like no one would keep track of that much. They'd have to keep a little notebook in their back pocket if they were going to keep track of how many times, if, whether it's 77 times or 70 times seven times, it doesn't matter. And the point that Jesus is making here is that mercy is an attitude. It's not an account. Mercy is not something that you do this many times. Or mercy is not something that needs to get balanced. It's a way that we live and it's a way that we interact with people. Jesus uses a parable to describe that. And we're going to go through that parable today and talk about it and see what Jesus is really talking about here. So if we go on from there, Jesus says, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times, or 70 times seven times. And then he, he goes into the parable. Going on in verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Now, if we look at this, the king usually in these parables is God. And the servants are us. So going from there. There was a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement... A man who owed him 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents to us today, millions and millions of dollars. And this guy was a servant. He wasn't some other king. He wasn't a merchant. He wasn't anything else. 
So the idea here is there's no way he's paying this back. A man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. First thing I want you to notice here is the man was in debt. He had to pay back what he had already received. It wasn't like some new tax that the king put on him, and he just called him in and said, okay, um, you owe me 10,000 talents. Now, this was, a, he was supposed to pay back what he was already given. So this man at some point had 10,000 talents, maybe not all at once, but over the course of his lifetime had gotten 10,000 talents from the king, and now time had come to pay up. It wasn't just some extra thing that he put on top of him. It wasn't just some fine for something that he did. This was repaying of a debt is what it says. And 10,000 talents is, is a lot. And I think that there's a reason why he uses such an astronomical number here, why it's so big. If we look at other places where talents are mentioned, it's one talent, five talents, and 10 talents. And now we go to 10,000 talents. This is a ridiculous amount. It's huge. If we look at it and we say, we're the servant, then you have to ask, what has God given us? The king gave this man 10,000 talents. What has God given us? He's given us everything. He's, he's the creator of everything. People can say, oh, God lets the sun rise, or God makes the sun rise. Forget that. God made the sun. <laughs> Making it rise, is that's small potatoes. He made the sun. He made the earth. Everything that we have, everything that we are, comes from him. A few months ago, we talked about living a life on loan, because God gave us our lives. So if we look at what God has given us, and what we're supposed to give back to him? The answer is, is everything. Everything that we do is, in some way, a reflection of our relationship with God. And anything that takes us away from God, takes our lives away from what God wants us to do, is a sin. Because it's something that's driving us away from the plan that God has for us. There are some sins that we see outright as sins that are easy. Lying, stealing, cheating, murder, those things, when, when we do those, we automatically know, oh, that's a sin, that's bad. But if we, we look at this parable and what it's saying, there are things that we might not automatically see as sins that, that really are. There are some sins, there are the things that keep us from doing what God wants us to do that we don't always think of as being sins. What about worrying? If God wants us to do something instead of doing what God wants us to do, we're just, oh, well, I can't do that. I, I, I don't know enough to do that. What, what will happen if I do that? Who's going to take care of me if I do that? What about watching TV? I'm not saying that watching all TV is a sin, but if that's something that we do so often so much that we're not doing what God wants us to do, it's driving us away from him. 
It can be eating. It can be shopping. It can be surfing the internet. It can be talking to, to people. Anything that we do so much or that we do as an escape to keep us from doing what God wants us to do can be a sin. We owe God so much that our lives almost have to be devoted to following him. And that's going to be important here in a second. Now, that's the case with this man. He owes the king millions of dollars. There was no way that he could pay the king back. Millions of dollars. And he was a servant. He didn't have that kind of money. And there, he wasn't going to get that kind of money. And even if the king sold him and his wife and his children and all of his possessions, made them slaves and took all that they had, it still wasn't going to equal what he owed the king. The same thing is true with us. There's no way that this man could pay back the king. The damage was already done. The same thing is true of us. We've already sinned. We've already done things to move us away from God. There's nothing that we can do on our own, of our own power, to get back there. The only recourse we have, the only thing that we can do is what this man did. He falls on his knees in front of the king and begs for mercy. He says, I'm, I'm sorry. There's nothing that I can do. I can't fix what I've done. All I can do is ask that, that you would show me mercy. And that's all that we can do. In the story, the king looks at the man and cancels his debt. So mercy is, is something we receive. The man looked at the king and just says, all right, your debt is canceled. You know, there's enough money in the treasury I can deal without this 10,000 10, talents. It's millions of dollars. In the real world, it, it's, it's not that simple. From the beginning of time, from the beginning of creation that we read about, Sin has to be punished. That's just the way that, that things work. Adam and, Eve and, Adam and Eve in the garden sinned, and then they had to be punished. There were, there were consequences for those sins. God doesn't just look down at Adam and Eve and say, oh, well, don't do it again. But sometimes when, when we think about it, we say that that's, that's what happens. This guy just says, oh, don't do it again. And we forget about the fact that 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 debt was paid. There's no way that we could do enough to balance out our sin. So it's a good thing that this mercy thing is not an account. Because if it was, then we would be severely in debt. No matter how many good things you do, no matter if you move to Calcutta and work with dying orphans for the rest of your life, like Mother Teresa did, she was still in, in God's debt. There's nothing that we can do to balance that. Luckily for us, God sent his son to die on the cross for us. God sent his son to pay the debt. And we, we took communion and we talked about the bod his body that was broken and his blood that was shed. And, and that's, that's the way that sin was paid for. That's the way that, that we find ourselves not being in debt. He did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. It's that simple. And it'd be really nice if the story ended here. 
because you know we'd have plenty of time left to go and eat lunch and we'd all leave feeling good saying yay Jesus died for us the end but there's still more good news and there's still some mm, rough stuff that we have to go through in these next verses because a lot of times we celebrate the death of Jesus and we say that he, he paid for our sins, but, but that wasn't the end of Jesus' story. Because Jesus came back to life. And that's not the end of this parable because starting in verse 28 where we left off, there's this big word there. It says, but. And but usually means that what's coming next is going to change what's going on. So let's go on there. Starting in verse 28. But when the servant went out, now, the but is there, so that means this is what we're not supposed to do. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. That's just a couple dollars. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. But his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. Sound familiar? But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Compared to what God has forgiven us, anything that anyone does to us is only a couple dollars. And that, that's hard to imagine sometimes. It's hard to, to feel like this is only couple dollars sometimes when people do things wrong to us. I know people who have been sinned against more than I could possibly imagine. People who've been lied to and cheated on by their spouses, by people that they love tremendously. People who've been abused as children, who've been taken advantage of. And for them to read this and say, it's only a couple dollars? That's all that that's worth? That's hard. That's that's not an easy thing to swallow. But when I've talked to people and, and discussed this, they've said, all that I can do is remember everything that Jesus did for me. Remember that he still loves me despite what I've done, despite the feelings I've had towards these people that did things to me. And that forgiveness isn't easy. The man says to the servant who's choking him. He says, be patient with me, and I'll pay you back. And sometimes forgiveness on our part requires patience. I know people who've been struggling to forgive people for their whole lives. 20, 30, 40, 50 years to pay back those few dollars, to, to forgive that person for what they did. It's, it's not an easy thing to do. But it's still something that we're called to do, to not be like this servant. We're called to give mercy as well. If we receive it, we're, we're called to give it. Verse 31 goes on and says, When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Here we bring in the idea of other people. This, this outsider, the person who was being choked, we don't know anything. We don't know if he had a relationship with the king or not. He could have just been some other person from some other kingdom. We don't know. And this idea of mercy 
plays in, into that relationship as well. What is our relationship with outsiders, with other people, with, with non-Christians? Because sometimes we think that people who, who sin not just against us, but against Christianity, well, those people, it's okay to talk bad about them. It's okay to not forgive them, to just write them off and say, oh, they're wrong. They need to get fixed. And we don't think about forgiving them. What about at Christmas time? And I know that there are some people who get in a big huff about this. What if they're, what about people who say, who kind of say that Merry Christmas is taboo? You're not supposed to say Merry Christmas. Say Happy Holidays. You don't want to offend people by saying Christmas. Or, you know, people who say, I'm offended when you say Merry Christmas. You know, some people, sometimes, it, what do you mean I can't say Merry Christmas? You can't tell me what I can and can't do. And they get all upset about that. I know people who've had big campaigns and written letters to the editor of the newspaper and all this stuff about how wrong it is to tell them that they're not allowed to say Merry Christmas. But what about the people who want to take the Ten Commandments out of public buildings or want to get rid of prayer in schools? It's easy for us to look at them and say, oh, they are so wrong. They are so against Christianity. They're against everything that's good. And we don't think, well, wait a minute. Is, is this how I'm, I'm supposed to think about? What about this? If any of you haven't seen this picture before, I'm not going to tell you the title of it because it's not very nice. But this is an artist's work that is a crucifix that he dropped into a bucket of his own urine and took a picture of it. It's disgusting, right? It's revolting. I don't know how anyone could call that art. And it can even hurt when that happens to say, how could you do that to something that represents this person that I love? And if, if we want to know how to respond to that, all we can do is look and see what, what the Bible tells us. And here's Jesus on a cross, nailed to it, whipped, beaten, stripped naked, and what does he say? Father, send them to hell because look at what they did to me. No. <clears throat> Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. If we're supposed to, to give forgiveness to, to other Christians, to our brothers and sisters, Jesus is telling us here we have to give mercy, give forgiveness to people on the outside as well to people who don't know what they're doing. If this guy knew God, knew his power, knew the love that God still has for him, he wouldn't do that. To think that, that God loves people less because they don't want us to say Merry Christmas, Paul says in Corinthians, Love keeps no record of wrongs. There's no, well, I'm going to love you more because you've done 
good things or I'm going to love you less because you've done bad things or I'm going to keep loving you until you've done this many things wrong and then it's going to drop off. That's not the way it works. It's important for us to love non-Christians even though they do very non-Christian or anti-Christian things. Because that's how we're supposed to be known is as Christians, by our love. Not our standing up for being able to say Merry Christmas or our standing next to the Ten Commandments in a public building or even our protesting outside of art exhibits. We're supposed to be known by our love. And forgiveness, mercy, is a big part of that. And again, I would wish that I could say that's the end of the parable. You know, God forgives us, we're supposed to forgive others. But, but it's not. Jesus goes on with the parable for, for a reason. He says, then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. This is one of those passages that, that I kind of wish wasn't there. It would be real nice if it just said, you know, God forgives us, we should forgive other people, the end. But that's not, not where it ends. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. When the servant is brought again before the king, before his master, he gets what he deserves. And, and not just because of what he did there, but he gets what he deserved from the very beginning. If you're a fan of justice, just justice, then you should like this ending. Because that's what the guy deserved from the beginning. That's what's fair. I mean, he owed this guy millions of dollars, so he sends him to jail until he can pay it back. In fact, the, the sentence that he gets is less than what it would have been before. Originally, his, he and his wife and his children are going to be sold into slavery and everything that he had. So his family is destroyed. Everything that he had is gone. In this case, at least his family still gets to, to go on. He's just thrown in prison. If we look at mercy as an account, then this is what all of us get, what we deserve, what's fair. Because there are people that all of us have not forgiven. There are people that each one of us should have shown mercy to that we didn't. But mercy is an attitude, not an account. And even though there have been people in our lives who we should have shown mercy to that we didn't, God's not looking at each individual action. He's looking at our attitude. He's looking at, at the way that we're going to approach people from now on. Are we going to look at it and say, well, they did something wrong to me, I'm going to get them back. Or what they did is so wrong, I, I can't. Look what they said, 
in the newspaper about God. That's ridiculous. I don't have to forgive them. Or think about how they made me feel for years and years. I, don't, I didn't deserve to be treated that way. Are we going to look at them and say, well, I've done things wrong too. I'm not, I'm not perfect either. And if I can fix this relationship with this person, if I can love this person despite what they gave to me, then they're going to see Jesus. They're going to see what it means to be loved. And the next time that they interact with somebody or interact with me, it, it might change that. This week, as you leave, how are you going to interact with people? People who, who only owe a few dollars compared to what we owe God. Grab them and choke them and say, oh, you shouldn't have done that. Or look at them and say, I'm going to have mercy on you. And even though you owe me, I'm going to cancel that debt. I'm not going to bring it up. I'm not going to say, well, I'm going to let you go this time. But I'm going to bring it up every time that I talk to you from now on. I'm going to be, it's over. It's canceled. It's forgotten. Or maybe this morning you are like the servant in the first place who, who feels like, oh, I've done so many things wrong, but, but how can I possibly get back to God? And that's, that's where mercy comes in, is God loves us enough to not keep a record of our wrongs if only we come before him and ask him. We're going to sing a closing song. Jim's going to come forward, just as I am. And that's all that, that we are. There's nothing else that God asks of us, nothing else that we can do to make up for the things that we've done wrong. All we have is is what we are, to fall on our knees and say, God have mercy on me.